The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 7 Downward I flew, guiding the eight-sided ship through the vine-choked pit, masses of dead vegetation crumbling and falling as the fighter craft coasted by. Moments later, that pit opened up into a yawning cavern. In the center of that cavern, a great platform pushed up through the tangle of vegetation. It was perfectly square and carved from a seamless soapstone, measuring several hundred yards across its base hidden somewhere below, in the tangle of endless vines. In the midst of that platform sat an opaque dome, its black curvature topped with a crystalline orb that flickered with a faint bluish light. At the feet of the towering black dome, a set of carved steps led down to an entryway. Taking in these details, I descended to ground level and touched the ship down on the platform itself. So I'm guessing this is your temple, I said to the lovely blue being in the seat next to me. The ship's outer door opened. Zirathra stood up from her chair, then gracefully exited the Octa. I followed shortly behind. Z's big purple eyes scanned over the area. Yes, this will indeed do. The facility appears relatively intact considering the wear of the ages. She peered up at the subtle blue light that still shone on the sphere at the dome's apex. There is yet some energy present here. And that means what? I asked, stepping out of the ship myself and feeling my connection to it fading. Even though the moon's surface had been nearly drained of Atra, I could see it collecting inside of that orb, its particles glittering like gold amid the blue light. Since Atra is still in the system, the facility inside could yet be functional, which means that we may have a reliable way of contacting the Nyar fleet and getting us out of here. Um, can't we just use the ship's comm system for that? Like we were doing before? Sadly, no. The Veyer are actively in the hunt for us. They will be tracking local etheric communications. Yet, if all's functional within, then we can contact the Emetherium directly. Pretty much taking your word for all that. Well, they got the faintest idea of how all your fancy tech works. I'm still basically a farm world savage. If the connection is stable, we shall remedy that and provide you with a download on Nyar technology and science. As well, you may get some of the training you are due. This was an educational facility at one point. I nodded, following Zarathra as she strode towards the center of the temple platform, examining the area as she walked. A few minutes after, we descended the steps to the temple entryway, directly beneath the dome. Fifteen steps down, and we were greeted with a blank wall of unadorned soapstone. Upon the wall's surface, a sigil of light winked into being, curvy and intricate. Concepts washed over me. Sanctuary. Refuge, learning, but tinged with an undercurrent of warning, a threat to those who sought harm. This was either magic or some kind of psychic tech, like the ships. Zirathra moved her right hand towards the sigil. Both hand and sigil began to glow a brighter shade of white. She placed her hand on the surface. There was a cascade of brilliance, and then the symbol vanished, 
The wall before us melted away, revealing a circular archway. A burst of antique air wafted out, both stale and sweet-smelling. Beyond the archway there stretched forth a hall, illumined in varying shades of gray, tiny particulates of dust trickling down from the lofty ceiling. Be cautious, said Zarathra. This place served not only as a school, but as a fortress of battle. I am certain there shall be defenses within, though not quite as certain how they will react to us. Yeons of entropy have a tendency to rot away even the kindest of locales. I looked right at her, cocked a grin, and raised an eyebrow. I may still be a cluvus yug, I said, but I know my ruins. Trust me, I watch my step. Ain't about to get myself disintegrated poking around for loot. As well be prepared for battle. There is no telling what dangerous things remain in this place after so long. I'm as ready as I'll be, considering y'all Nair didn't arm me. She looked at me and shook her head. You were provided a weapon. Zerathra reached towards me, her sky-blue hand getting awfully close to my groin. Whoa, what kind of weapon you talking about here? She stopped at my waist, grabbing my belt buckle between her two fingers. Pulling back her hand, I could see she held a tiny black plastic object about the size of a coin. A striker, she said, and then flicked her wrist outward. The tiny object expanded out into something that resembled a silvery blade about two feet long. That thing was on my belt? Every Nyar is outfitted with a striker, until they've chosen a more personalized weapon style. It is made of a nanite-infused material, capable of expanding and contracting to fit into a variety of containers. Zarathra flipped her wrist again and spun the blade in the air, ending with the hilt pointed towards me. With her other hand, Z gestured to a barely visible button on it. This will activate the weapon's energy blast function, a medium-strength plasma shot. The strikers are designed as a hybrid, melee-ranged weapon, ideal for close combat. Hmm. Kino. I nodded, taking the weapon from her. It was nearly weightless in my hands. From what I've observed, you should have enough training to use it. Yeah, I think I'll be good. Then follow, she said, taking a step into the newly opened portal. I did so. Ahead of us stretched a drawn-out hallway, its ceiling some fifty feet overhead, everything lit by a gray light that dragged the color out of the environment, but highlighted the minuscule motes of dust that floated through the air. Despite the fact that exploring old ruins was pretty much habit for me, I could understand Z's caution. This place was more than old, for certain. Probably built back before any civilization I knew of even existed. Just being there, I could feel the years weighing down on me. I expected to hear my footfalls faintly echoing down the lengthy corridor. But as I stepped upon the stone floor, there was silence. All the sound eradicated. Yeah, there was something legit creepy about that place. And just stepping inside it, a shiver ran through my body. We ventured on, my eyes darting from floor to wall to ceiling, both curious about the details and also watchful for any booby traps that might spring out at us. Nothing overtly dangerous occurred, but the silence was certainly disconcerting. The walls were lined with a delicate, flowery script etched across the center, seeming to continue down the length of the corridor. I imagined them spelling out some ancient parable or long-lost history. But as I walked past, I noticed that the script was shifting, one word replaced with another, like some forgotten story continuously being revised and edited. 
Creepy for sure, but I told myself it was probably just some old Nyar artsy fartsy crap. The hallway appeared to curve round and round as we walked. At first I thought it might be taking us in a circle. But after a bit I realized it was spiral shaped. The path leading to the very center of the temple platform. Off to the sides, archways led into sundry chambers. Some were meeting rooms, laid out with translucent oval-shaped tables and matching chairs, their walls decorated in abstract art. Others were likely used for meditation or contemplation, with cushioned floors and inset pools that somehow still contained standing water despite the millennia of neglect. All were eerily abandoned, not destroyed or damaged, but silent and empty. We continued our walk. Occasionally, Zerathra would stop for a moment and look into one of the rooms, then shake her head and keep going. I figured she was seeking the communication system we had discussed earlier. I would have helped with that, but didn't have the slightest idea of what to look for. As we neared what I estimated was the middle of the dome, the wide hallway narrowed by a third. There were no more room entries to our sides. Instead, the walls were lined with perfectly erect figures, hulking humanoids. Their entire bodies coated in a silvery enamel, their faces capped by unmoving Leonin heads, all held axe-like weapons hafted over their shoulders. They looked similar to the beings I'd seen in the Amatherium, the Nentael, but with thicker frames and broader shoulders, their armor more tarnished. At least twenty of them were in sight, backs against the walls and standing like decorative statues. But, uh, nope. I had seen enough ancient robotic guardians to know that these were certainly no statues. Zerathra paused right as we got to them, raising a hand for me to do the same. Are these uh, friends? I asked. Two of the silvered men stepped from their posts, ancient dust dislodging from grinding limbs. They faced us, raising their axes in the air, their weapons of fire with energy. One of the old guardians swung from my head, Reflexively, I fell into a squat to avoid it. Um, I'm guessing that's a no, I answered myself. They are invaders, shouted both of them in unison. You will perish. The other one hacked wildly down at Zarathra, who readily sidestepped, causing the axe to strike the floor and send a shower of sparks flying. The Nentail Guardians have clearly gone mad, she stated, as we both began backing away. They appear operational, but are not recognizing us as they should. Behind them, several more sets of the Lion Men came into motion, ready to follow their brothers in killing us. We running for it? I asked. Or are you going to break out some crazy combat moves? Neither, she said, dodging another clumsy axe swing. I'm going to perform a reset on them. The Nentail should not be destroyed. Your role is to distract them. My role is what? But it was too late. Z had already backed up, out of the way. She moved her arms in a circular motion, letting out a breath as she stared at them. Her eyes were rolled back, though open, and her breathing had fallen into a steady but focused pattern. I looked to the silver guardians, their shiny bodies already blocking the corridor ahead. I could feel my heart racing as the two initial ones continued to step towards me, the mass of them not far behind. I considered pulling out my new striker, but decided against that idea. These things just needed a reset, per Z, not for me to break them. Come on, you rust-sucking bastards! I heard myself shout. I was terrified, I admit, but not as terrified as I should have been. 
A part of me felt nothing but exhilaration as the Nentail charged at me. That part rushed up from my gut and filled my head with a fiery abandon. The presence within me was familiar. The night captain, Bakibra, so reserved in her dealings with others, but afire with the heat of battle. As I dodged and swerved around a bevy of energy axes, her battle instincts and training filled me. Bakibra's presence was overlaid upon my own, Kef falling just below the surface. Now all the fear was gone, my mind occupied with only the moment. I ducked around two axe swings and grabbed a third one by its haft mid-thrust. There was no way I could pull it out of the being's robotic grip, but I used the handle's leverage to hurl myself over the thing's head and land in a crouch behind it. That put me square in the middle of the hall, where about twenty of those silver kitties were waiting. Perish, Veyer, deviant! They shouted at me in a chorus, preparing to attack. Catch me if you can, you morga-munching bags of butts! I yelled, gesturing wildly at the things. One peek back at Zirathra told me that she was still out of their range. All of them focused on me. And that was a good thing. As the mass of wide-shouldered brutes lunged for me, every impulse was focused on avoidance. Since I wasn't trying to kill the silver kitties, the best I could do was weave my thinner form between them, occasionally smacking my palm against their helmets to get their attention, or yelling random insults at the uncaring machines. It turned into a full-on melee as I dodged and rolled, blocked and crawled between their legs. I did my best to avoid dying while drawing their attention to me, and only me. My head was a rush, and a big grin was forming on my lips as Bakibra's energy engorged me, delighted to finally be back in action doing what she did best. But I was tiring. My forehead was coated in sweat, my heart beating a little faster than a moment ago. I wasn't sure how much longer I could last, especially against tireless opponents. An axe came within inches of my face, so close I could feel the heat of its energy trail upon my nose. Suddenly, the guardians stopped. They stepped backward, lowering their weapons. Within seconds, they were walking away from me and back to their respective posts. Zirathra, a few yards behind me, had already resumed her normal posture. I dusted myself off and wiped my sweaty brow. I expected Bikibra's battle fury to subside into my subconscious, but I could feel her presence heavy in my awareness, like she had a metal-clad grip on my psyche. I didn't want to let go. There was a discomfort to it, like it wasn't just me in my body anymore. Like if I wasn't careful, Bakibra might just flip a switch and take over. No. Kef swelled back up with a surge. Get back in there, Bakibra, I stated with certainty. This chick may have been an ally. A decent person, even. The sure as scrag she wasn't going to be taking me over. Her presence sunk away, creeping back into the depths of my subconscious. It is done, Z stated, as the remainder of the silver men resumed their statuesque positions. The Nentail have been reset to their default behavior. They will now respond to us both as allies, which means that this place can provide us with some level of protection. Using me as robot bait was not Kino, by the way, I said. I could have died back there. No, you could not have, she replied, that sly half-smile once again on her lips. A person who would die to such a threat would not have gotten as far as you have. I trusted your competence enough to take the chance. Fair enough, I said, smirking. Consider this part of your training. Conflict is a constant factor of reality. 
that you must always be ready to face. The virtue of bravery is one that the Nayar must embody. Its essence is in taking a risk for a greater good. Duly noted, wise teacher, I said with a mock bow. Within, Bikibra stirred. Was I the brave one, or just her? Now, Favo, Zirathra said, turning back down the hall towards the assembled guardians. I suspect there is a control room just beyond here. It may be just what we need to remedy our situation, or at least provide some rest. I stood in the midst of a domed chamber, in its center a green metal pillar and set with glassy bulbs. All around us, the walls were covered in translucent screens, mostly dark and cracked over. Zirathra stood with her back to me, nodding her pretty head occasionally as she stared at the one lit-up screen, which broadcast a streaming series of symbols that I could in no way comprehend. She had been doing so for nearly two hours, by my estimate. The still-functioning systems of the base identified this clearly as the communication room, so I figured that's what Z was working on, hopefully sending a call to the other Nyar to get us a ride to somewhere else. That didn't entail talking, just staring at that screen full of patterns like she was tripping on Morgarut. I supposed it was some kind of telepathy, which was apparently how just about everything worked out here in Space Godland. That left me to myself. Zirathra had said to keep a lookout, and I was doing just that. Occasionally I would peek out at the room's entry to make sure our big silver kittens weren't going feral on us again. And sometimes I would sneak glances at her rather delightful behind, with the curve of her legs in that jumpsuit. I'd never stop being attracted to Z, who was definitely a cutie, and could even be nice to interact with when she wasn't being snooty, distant, or needlessly obtuse. Still, staring too much made me feel like a creeper, so I tried to keep myself occupied with other stuff. Poking at the various non-functioning screens, stretching my body in random ways or looking around the chamber, which had a distinct lack of gadgets for a communications room. Judging by the size and location of the room, this had to be the inside portion of that black dome I had seen from outside. But as I looked up at what should have been a solid black curve, from in here it was completely see-through. In fact, whatever crazy tech caused the effect, it actually heightened my vision of the outside. I could see the whole vine-choked entry cavern in all its detail with a fine view of that hole we'd come in from. As I looked up said hole, I noticed my position swerving to get a better angle, as if linked to some invisible drone outside. Looking straight up through the hole, I had a fine view of the starry skies above Gaxinal 4, the yellow gas giant planet visible off to the left. It was vaguely interesting, but probably not interesting enough to hold my attention more than a few minutes. I was about to look away when I noticed movement up there, across the sky view. Ships. Several of them. My vision zoomed in as I focused on them, until I could see their forms clearly. The loathsome mass of a Vair Clatanth, its slug-like hull lurching across the skies, accompanied by two medium-sized avian vessels. They looked awfully close. Or was that just the amplification effect? Either way, I reactively fell into a stealth mindset, shrinking my thoughts back and trying my hardest not to be noticed. Though I wasn't sure if that sort of thing would do anything when I wasn't in a starship. But in a few moments, the Vare were out of sight. I turned back to the comm chamber, stepped over to Zarathra, and tapped her on the back. She spun around to face me. Yeah, I began. Figured I'd let you know I saw the Vare up in the viewport. Looks like they're circling the moon. 
Then it is only a matter of time before they find us, she replied. I will not be able to reach the Amethyrium via this system anyway. Z waved her hand in front of the screen, which went black. The computers here are ancient, their connections slow and lethargic. It seems our best hope is to descend to the core. What's the core? The monadic core, the center of the space, located deep under the ground. Every Nair temple has one. It contains a direct link to the monadic network, our galactic communications system. I had hoped to avoid a journey below and simply connect here, though sadly these devices are too damaged for that. So I guess we go down then, I said. Several minutes later, we stood in front of a tall, triangular metal arch, just down the hall from the comm room. It opened up into a small, silvery closet that I could tell was an elevator, of similar design to the one on the Amethyrium. We stepped inside, and a door closed behind us. There were no buttons or knobs inside, but a voice spoke in my head. Where do you wish to go? It asked. A side view cutout map of the temple facility appeared superimposed over my vision. It depicted R4 on level with the dome, a dormitory level below it, an educational hall below that, and at the bottom of the facility a large chamber with a triangle in the middle of it labeled Core. Bottom floor, take us to the core, ordered Zerathra. I felt the slightest hint of movement as the elevator's walls began to glow a soft green color. Projected maps showed us descending through the dormitory level, the educational hall, and then... I could feel my guts wrenching upward as the elevator came to a sudden halt. The door opened halfway, revealing a mass of vines, green and thorny and far more lively than the ones outside, and completely blocking the view. Several of the vines began twitching, squirming their way towards us, reaching their way into the elevator. That order cannot be completed, stated the disembodied thought of the elevator. Sensors show heavy obstructions in the lift tube between educational level and core chamber. I felt a sudden grip on my ankle. One of the vines was wrapping itself around me, snaking up my leg. I reached for the striker at my waist. In one motion, I retracted the weapon out to full size, and then swung downward, severing the vine. Stepping backward, I could see more of them squirming into the elevator. Scrag. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.